I honestly didn't think it would be very hard. And I really did start thinking of this just as like a, a class project. So a bag problem I thought was simple. It was quite cute. Um, and we could kind of solve it in a term. And three years later, <laughs> we had our solution. Then, of course, got a woman who designs for Balenciaga and Louis Vuitton um, and a lot of the really premium brands in, in the world. Um, and, you know, like all startups, I dog sat for her so that she would help us out. I literally looked after her dogs. This is Changing Careers, a podcast about the changing nature of MBA careers and how MBAs can change their careers. You're listening to me, Conrad Chua. Today, I have a real treat for you. A class project on an MBA started a journey that built a bag that would help professional women in the boardroom. Jackie Gilbert and her company had to deal with a sceptical fashion industry. But five years later, the C1209 bags are getting rave reviews. I had a fascinating conversation with Jackie about all this, and more, including dog sitting. First, Jackie talked about how her career got started. So I'm from New Zealand originally, um, and I began my career working in um, large companies that everyone will have heard of, like Vodafone, KPMG, and Google. And I was there um, because I was passionate about innovation. And those companies gave me a really good grounding in how big business worked. Um, I went into a graduate program, so I got sort of a tour around the business <laughs> in terms of functions. Um, and I, yeah, I really found a passion in innovation and new product development. Um, and then I went into consulting to get the toolkit that consultants have around problem solving, um, executive presentation. Um, and from there, um, I started considering doing an MBA. Um, my colleagues um, at the consulting company had also done MBAs um, at top schools. Um, so I started looking around and Cambridge really stood out for me. I wanted a toolkit. They've, people talk about the MBA toolkit and it may have just been an insecurity, but I wanted to be able to walk into a room with anyone in any role in a company and feel like I could have an intelligent conversation with them. I didn't need to be the expert, but I needed to be able to speak the language that they spoke. So now when I'm in front of CFOs or chief operating officers or chief customer officers or head of HR or marketing, all of them, I have had a grounding in each one of those areas and that's incredibly valuable. After the MBA, you decided to start a company. Can you talk to us about how that realization came? Was it a eureka moment or was it a slow dawn? It was definitely a slow dawn. <laughs> so <laughs> Cambridge has that effect on people, I think. Um, I know that some of my classmates joined the MBA and they were here because they were going to do a startup, and that wasn't me. Um, I actually loved consulting. Um, I didn't mind the hours. I really enjoyed the intellectual challenge it presented, and I loved the change. I didn't even mind the travel. It was quite international. Um, but then I, Cambridge has an incredible innovation ecosystem and there is so much innovation going on here and it's sort of there's sort of a vibe in the air I think um, and I caught that drug <laughs> so um, I ended up I started off doing strategy as my focus for the MBA and I uh, quickly switched into the innovation and entrepreneurship um, electives and in those electives we had incredible um, visiting professors as well as existing Cambridge professors and, um, and experts, industry experts who really inspired me and 
were really supportive about this idea of entrepreneurship and what it could be. Um, and so I sort, sort of caught the disease on that. And then as part of our um, project and one of the electives, we had to come up with a business idea that we wanted to solve. And um, I had this idea around C1209, which is the company that I founded, and um, kept on testing the idea with my colleagues and peers and, and the staff at Cambridge and kept on getting encouraged. <laughs> so where I expected pushback, um, I got positive reinforcement. Um, and then on top of that, the alumni community also are quite heavily networked into the business school and um, I got to speak with a lot of them and they mentored me. I've still got a relationship. One of them's an investor now. Um, so really, it was sort of <laughs> not, a, not deliberately, I ended up finding myself continuously coming back to entrepreneurship as a career choice, I guess. This is the time when you tell us, what is C1209? How did that seed of that idea first come about? I um, wanted to look at a problem that I really understood, um, and it was quite a simple one. Uh, as a management consultant, I needed to look really credible in front of CEOs and uh, C-suite clients, but also I had a lot of travel to do. And often I was also the only woman in the team. And so I felt like I needed to ensure that I had an equal presence in front of executive level um, clients, um, but I needed to make sure that my health and well-being was okay when I was on the go. And so I was looking for a bag that could look credible in the boardroom, but also I could commute with on the train, on planes, with the huge amounts that you carry as a consultant. So computers, um, files, you know, sometimes two or three computers actually, because you've got the client computer as well. And there wasn't a bag on the market that could do both. So I had to choose either functionality with a rucksack or I was choosing um, credibility but then hurting my spine. So you're talking like a briefcase or a compute laptop briefcase? Yes, yeah, so it's a briefcase um, or high-end handbag, depending if you're male or woman, uh, female, sorry. Um, and then it can convert seamlessly to being a backpack. But what was key was that it looked cool as a handbag and also as a backpack. You see, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not cool or fashion conscious <laughs> at all. So I just walk into any room thinking my, my laptop bag would do it. <laughs> And I think in many cases it does. I was going to ask you, is that, do you think that there's a difference in terms of men and women in the sense that men can rock up with a beat-up laptop brute bag and get away with it? Um, I really do think it depends on what messages you're trying to convey. So for me, I sound really young. Um, I often look younger than my peers. Um, and I was finding that I often was being talked to before I'd even said a word, like I was the youngest person in the room. And so um, in order to overcome that, I looked into the science behind it. And humans do take visual cues on how to react to someone. So um, there's loads of uh, research around, you know, if you're a male over six foot, people perceive you as having more personal power or presence. Um, so similarly, um, if you're smaller and squeakier, <laughs> you might want something that kind of communicates what you're really there to do, that you mean business. Uh, did you have prototypes at that point or um, some kind of sketching, sketches? I honestly didn't think it would be very hard. And I really did start thinking of this just as like a, a class project. So a bag problem I thought was simple. It was quite cute. Um, 
and we could kind of solve it in a term. And three years later, <laughs> we had our solution. Um, we went to industry experts and we said, look, we want a bag that can do everything. We want it to be able to fit everything. We want it to be able to be comfortable when I'm commuting. We want it to be able to look stylish and we want it to be premium quality. We want it to last a lifetime. And they were like, gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> and you can't do it. People have been trying to solve that problem for generations and nobody's done it so what you're asking is for us to create a miracle for you um and if it was that easy it would be done and did you have any experience before you know in terms of manufacturing in terms of design uh, anything like that no and that's a really interesting point conrad because i think two things one our naivety actually is what made us be able to resolve the problem because we didn't know how hard it was going to be but two I think if I was doing it again I would make sure that I actually had a skill set that could create and I'm slightly envious of all the people with science and technology backgrounds because I came from the art side of um, education and so I really had to learn what it was like to do product development and and create something from nothing. Got here in front of us one of the first bags from C1209. And I guess before we go in, can you tell us a bit about why C1209? Of course. So 1209 was the year that Cambridge University was founded. And when we were thinking about a brand, we were trying to think of something that embodied a sense of history and quality, um, but also positioned itself for innovation and change and that's really what we're about we're about taking beautiful historic quality and and science and but then also putting a modern innovative edge we make beautiful bags that go from briefcase to backpack um for when you're presenting or commuting um what we have done that's unique is we've patented a clasp that can connect in two different ways so it can connect um as a handle and then it can also separate and connect onto a backpack position um and then in addition to that what we've developed is a conversion technology so the way that the handles move from being what you would expect a briefcase or a handbag handle to look like through to looking like only a backpack has actually got a lot of science behind it. I've got a bag here and this is right now I guess is it in a backpack? You could be used as a backpack? Yes so right now it can be used as a backpack so we have um, the two handles on the back um, really just look like backpack straps they attach to a bottom um, strap which can adjust like you would on a normal backpack when you're on the go and then on the front if you turn it around um you really can't tell that it could ever be a handbag it looks like a really cool stylish backpack right and how does this become uh, a handbag then right so the innovation that we've come up with um and is patented is um you separate the backpack strap so the top half of the strap separates and becomes a um, handbag handle and what we've developed is a clasp that can be worn two ways and it has a magnetic snap to it um, so it's, it's like magnet, it? yeah there's a magnet inside it so it's a really nice crisp oh, okay. snap and then all you do it's very simple um, but <laughs> with a lot of research behind it as it turns out in testing um, is you pull the handle the other the handle up. yeah um, which is in a front pocket on the front of the bag. And it's the separation of the back handle um, and the pull through of the backpack straps into the front handle that then gives you a beautiful handbag wow. or briefcase. Yeah. And can you talk a bit about the materials that you use? 
Absolutely. So um, we really wanted to use the best quality materials we could find in the market. So the um, bag is full grain Italian leather. Um, we do some of the um, artisan seamstress and stitching um, in Spain and some in Turkey. Um, and then we hand finish it here in Cambridge, just across the road in our workshop. Oh, so you finish it here. I mean, what, what does finishing actually mean? So inside the bag is our technology, which, again, we've patented, and we don't want um, to kind of share that around the world. So uh, that's where we put the functionality um, into the bag, and we also finish off the bag. So um, quality control, but also even things like finishing the straps on the bag. We can finish them ourselves. So do you do that? Have you done that yourself? Oh, yeah. We, we, um, we've done everything. It's really interesting, actually. There was an alumni who often speaks here called Lord Billamoria, who founded Cobra Bear. And he talked about how part of his success was that he could take an idea from... Uh, he took his idea from ideation all the way through to the large company it is today. And he had done every single job along the way. So when the delivery boy rings a muffle girl and says, hey, I can't do this, he actually can pull on his experience and talk them through it. And he said that that gave him a competitive advantage. So we echo that. We make sure that we understand every single part of the production. Um, as we're getting bigger, we're having less time to do things like quality control um, with all of us, but still um, we love the product so much that, and we care about our customers that certainly one of us always checks the bag before we send it out. And I have to say, this is really high-quality looking, luxurious uh, leather. Um, yeah, it's really, really nice. And the other thing is the packaging as well. So when someone orders online, it's delivered to them in a, this beautiful box. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely correct. So we have um, the full experience because uh, really we truly love what we've made and we really want our customers to experience that joy as well. So um, we have our beautiful boxes. Um, they've got an image that I took from Clear College uh, down the Cam River, um, which is stunning, I think. Um, and then, of course, it comes with what you would expect, like a dust bag to protect the bag. Um, and again, the box uh, is durable. It's... Um, Got a nice magnetic snap to it too. So, to recap, Jackie has gone from a successful career in consulting to an MBA and has this really great looking bag. I wanted to find out more about the process of getting to this point. How does someone who had no prior experience in fashion or manufacturing make a bag that's never been done before. You'll also hear about how a chance encounter with a fashion writer gave C1209 its big break. And I promise there will be a dog in the story. At the end of this episode, Jackie will also tell us about a cool promotional offer for C1209. I mean, Cambridge has a very thriving ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurship. I get, but I think most of the attention has been on... Uh, the startups that are, let's say, in the digital space, big data, etc. Um, how has it been for you doing something like this, which is very physical, very tactile, a lot about manufacturing here in Cambridge? I mean, why did, did you feel that this was a good base to operate from? There is from? two halves to that. The first half being making a product in a... a investment environment which is absolutely passionate about technology is hard um, and 
one of the mistakes we made in the beginning is we focused too much on competitions. I don't know if that's a product of coming from large companies where you're sort of striving for accolades but we lost sight I think at the beginning around why we were doing the business that the objective was to make a beautiful product that people would cherish for the rest of their lives um and all those competitions that are out there really are marketing devices for whatever whoever is running that competition and invariably they want either um a health related startup or the next google um and so it's you can waste hours and hours and hours trying to get traction in something where there's just no market appetite. But when it came to actually finding investors and um, developing the product, it was a lot easier. I think there's also a bit of um, people a bit tired, I think, of you know the Silicon Valley attitude of we're going to invest $100 million into this unicorn venture and... Um, you know, really it was just an idea and it all disappears in a year. Um, so once we had a physical product and people could see it and believe in it, um, they became a lot more interested in the product. Um, and then, of course, what helped us immensely was our first customer was getting out of a cab um, and was spotted by a woman who was a writer for Vogue. And she came up to our first customer and said, oh my God, the bag's beautiful. Um, where can I get it? Tell me about it. And then they ran a feature on us and described us as the office bag that would get you through the working week. Um, and that for investors and for us as sort of a small company was the validating point that's really helped accelerate our growth. Um, in terms of being in Cambridge, um, actually we've benefited from being a little bit different. Um, so there are a lot of really exciting biotech firms going on here, but really all of us are trying to problem solve. And um, we've benefited from being able to ideate with people who come from different backgrounds, who are going through the same process. Everybody is still trying to make a product and everyone is trying to serve the market in some way. Um, and so being part of that ecosystem has been incredibly helpful. And, Actually, all of our, um, or almost all of our suppliers and um, advisors are from the Cambridge ecosystem. So, in terms of a timeline, you finished your MBA 2012, was that? Oh, no, 2014. Uh, 2014. 2014, yeah. So, 2014, and how long did it take before you got the first uh, prototype? How long did you get long before you got that first sale? Right. Well, <laughs> it's been a journey. Um, I... On the table in front of us is one of our very first bags. We thought that it was going to be easy, and <laughs> we were so long wrong, rather. And the first bag had really good intentions, but truly is quite ugly. Um, what was, I, what, what's wrong with this first bag? <laughs> well, do you know, it's really interesting, and and this is where not being a designer um, hurt us in the beginning. And now, obviously, we have help with that. Um, I thought I really understood the product because I was a customer, and I didn't really appreciate the beauty of you know what a millimeter can do in terms of aesthetics so this bag in front of us um has beautiful leather but the wrong type of leather for the bag um it has a traditional structure to it um but the finishing isn't there so rather than looking beautiful the angles look a little bit awkward and then we didn't really understand even details like um the type of clasp you use. So we have a sort of standard off-the-shelf clasp um, that doesn't doesn't communicate what our brand's about or what we really want to achieve. How did you know that this original prototype bag just wasn't it? I mean, was it customers or was it um, 
uh, because you you said you didn't have that design background. So how did you know that this wasn't it and you had to iterate? So we um, first designed all our bags out of cardboard and in cardboard it looked okay. And I've got to be honest, Conrad, it was pretty simple. We then worked, we... Um, we're working with Spanish artisans and we asked them to make this bag and they sort of looked at us a little strangely, but they did help us and it arrived back and it was just awful. <laughs> just, <laughs> it was that simple. It just did not look good. Um, <laughs> and then um, we also, though, in terms of the product, we then, of course, got a woman who designs for Balenciaga and Louis Vuitton um, and a lot of the really premium brands in, in the world. Um, and... You know, like all startups, I dog sat for her so that she would help us out for cheap because we, we're not... Wait, you, you actually helped look after her dog? I literally looked after her oh, dogs. Okay. She re, she travels a lot, obviously, with her job. Um, to get a bag designed with her is sort of upwards of, you know, 60,000, 70,000 pounds, which we just didn't have. Um, so, you know, you <laughs> you do what you can. <laughs> um, she really believed in what we were trying to do. It was a novel idea. Um, no one else had managed to solve it, so she was excited about that. And and she, yeah, let me dog sit for her and she designed it for us. Why, why do you think nobody um, had designed it before if, if everyone kind of knew that there was this problem? Um, it's, it was hard. It seems simple. It's quite funny because we went to an engineering company actually when we were halfway through. We'd figured out how to do it, but we wanted obviously to make sure it was safe and durable. And they scoped it. They were like, oh, this is a four-week project. And 12 weeks into the project, they were like, oh, my God, this is really, really tough. Because if you think about the amount of weight you put into the bag, the kind of functionality, the, the quickness of conversion you need, we were really user-led. So I want a bag that just works. I don't want to have to think about it as a customer. Um, I don't want to have to think about what I'm putting into it. I just want it to always be on point whenever I need. And that is really, really hard. Um Forbes recently came out with an article saying that fashion as an industry keeps on innovating around aesthetics, but they haven't innovated around functionality. Um, and when we talked to suppliers, they were really excited to work with us because we were coming from an engineering and business standpoint, which is really different from who has been working in the fashion industry to date. It tends to have been more the kind of creative aesthetic. So because the cost of manufacturing is so high and the market is so competitive in terms of if you want to go into um, some of the more established countries, um, what companies tend to do is rather than look at functionality, they just look at total cost and what the market needs. So they meet the market in terms of expectation. So, you know, you can buy an off-the-shelf clasp and stamp your brand on it and that would be, you know, a tenth of the cost of our um, custom-designed hardware when was it that you got your first sale um do you know I have a lot to be thankful for in terms of Cambridge because two of our first customers were from the business school um which was amazing uh, really supportive and I really value that it was amazing um and then uh, because I came from a consulting background um and also my MBA classmates so many of them either were consultants or went into consulting they were our first customers and they've just been incredible I have a, a secret Facebook group of of MBA classmates and former consultants who really um, help us both through the tough times but also around the product design and, and what we want to achieve with it and what works and doesn't work for them. And I think because they've been on that journey with us for so long, they're really invested in our success as well. So it sounds like when you first started this 
way back in 2014 in in a, in a classroom. Uh, you had the idea that it was what you had the idea of a user, a customer being yourself. Is that still the case? I mean, is does who who's the clientele for the, for for C1209? That's a really good question, Conrad, because it's evolving. So we had a very tightly defined market, um, which was lawyers, consultants, um, and actually doctors, and it's people who carry. Um, a lot in their bags because it's quite a large bag and then we went to the market and um, we've been at a number of trade shows just to demonstrate the bag to people and we got feedback that for some people they love the functionality but they want something a little smaller and a little bit lighter and that's where the product development comes in so my uh, co-founder who's also our COO is currently in Spain um, working with um, a top quality uh, canvas um, material, which will make the bag a lot lighter, and also we're making a midi size, so a slightly smaller dimensions. And that customer is um, usually an internal business person, so they often use their bag as like a mini office. They're carrying it around meetings. Um, they're not really fixed in one place. Consultants, you travel, you arrive, and you tend to sit at a desk all day. Um, CEOs, uh, we've found, are walking around talking to the business a lot and, and bring their bag with them, so they need the smaller vision jackie by the time this uh episode airs it's going to be christmas uh just a few weeks before christmas what's your hopes for c1209 in terms of uh well the immediate shopping season but going forward well we'd obviously love to sell out (laughs) that'd be the dream um we do do limited production runs because we do use top artisans to make the bag um so uh my advice is if you're curious about the bag, go and look at it on c1209.com. That's letter C and then numbers 1209. Um, and we've got a special offer for all the listeners. Um, so if you type in Vogue, V-O-G-U-E, 250, so Vogue 250, um, we give you a 25% discount off the bag just because we're really proud of it and we really want it out in the market. And then from there, we'll be able to um, hopefully see its popularity grow. We're very excited, though, because just this week, Marie Claire um, announced us as the cult brand loved by city professionals, and we've had a huge spike in terms of orders. So um, let's hope that that continues. (laughs) I was grateful to Jackie for letting me try out the C1209 bag and sharing her ongoing journey. It's a testament of how a dash of naivety added to fierce determination can make the impossible a reality. This episode will be uploaded just before Christmas, so if you're looking for a gift, check out c1209.com and use the promo code that Jackie mentioned. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others discover the show. You've been listening to me, Conrad Chua, and I look forward to speaking to you in two weeks' time for another episode of Changing Careers. Mm-hmm.